Please be seated. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here this morning, a blessing indeed, to have a chance on this Sanctity of Life Sunday um, to be here before you, to be here and share why I think, why God has placed it on my heart that life is precious. And it is. Life has value. Life is precious. Sanctity of life. Life is holy from the very beginning. There's a passion that I have, and, and I hope that this time is a time for me, not in a three-point sermon-type pattern to, to walk through things, but to, but to share what, what God has made a passion for me. And, and maybe as I share that for you, it'll, God will use that, and the Spirit will move, and, and He'll use that as a passion for you or, or build a passion for life in other ways that's different than mine. At the outset, this is not my forte. Put me in a surgical suite, delivering babies, speaking to doctors. That's, that's where I'll do better. Here behind the pulpit, uh, I'm nervous. So uh, forgive me as I, as I imperfectly walk through this, as I deliver this poorly, as my nerves show. Uh, but I'm excited to be here. Excited and scared, or scaredly excited. I'm not sure which, but boy, it's both. So why are we here today? We're here because this is Sanctity of Life Sunday. You know, our history has been that life has value, hasn't it? From our country, from its beginning, from Eastern and Western European culture, life has value from birth and before birth. In 1973, that changed. It changed drastically for our country because our Supreme Court said, and declared, and it's been worked out legally from that time forward, that life is no longer of value or precious from the time of conception to the time of birth. What a change, right? Drastic, big stuff. 1984, in the beginning of his second term, when that day of, celeb- of remembrance fell on the third Sunday. Ronald Reagan declared, let this be a time that we remember the sanctity of life. Every third Sunday in January from here forward, let it be a time that we stand for life, that we join. Those who value life join together. And that's what we're doing today. We are joining together as a congregation of believers with other churches across our nation Later today, to march in a, in a peaceful manner, to remember, to remember what happened then. To remember that life is precious, to be celebrated, has value. And to then be able to say, where does, this, where does that take us? Where do we go? So that's where we're starting. That's where we are. And that's why we're here this morning. Uh, let's pray. Let me pray. Lord, we know it to be true, and may it be true this morning, Father, that your spirit will move over us, around us, and in us this morning. Lord, as we talk about the holiness that you have put upon our lives, on human life, the preciousness of life that you have established, Lord, you know that I am nervous, I feel inadequate for this, for this before me, Lord, may you calm my nerves 
may your spirit take the imperfect words that are delivered poorly and use them and and move in the hearts and minds of, of your children here this morning. And may your message ring loud and clear to all of us. Lord, may it not be me but you, Father. I lift this up to you in your name. Amen. So why is life holy? Right, we're all created. And that's where my, my text is, is based this morning in Genesis. And I'd like to read 26 and following. But, but leading up to that, or leading up to that, isn't, isn't this a wonderful passage? I mean, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and look how he did it. The strength, the might, the awesomeness of God. He spoke it, didn't he? Let there be light, and there was light. Let there be heavens and earth, sea and dry land, fish, birds. He spoke it, and it happened. I would, I would love to have been there to see this. What an amazing time. But then God does something different, doesn't he? When it comes to man, when it comes to Adam, God does something different. And it's two-part, at least, at least as I think it is. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over the creeping things that creep on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And even more specifically, if we flip over to Genesis 2, specifically verse 7, I want to read that as well. Because it it shows exactly how God did this. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. There. That is why life is precious. Right? That is why all of us, from conception, we're going to talk to death. All of life has value. All of life is precious. Because God intimately came, intimately came down with his hands, took the dust of the ground, and formed us through Adam, formed Adam with his hands, personal. And then what? He breathed. He breathed the breath of life into Adam's nostrils. We are separate. We are special. God said, I am going to choose to make someone, Adam, this race in my image. Their reflection is me. We look around. Look at each. We are reflecting God. And that speaks to everything. Right? It, it speaks to the, to the unborn, and we'll get there. To the babies. It speaks to end-of-life issues. 
it speaks about how we look at the poor, the needy, the fatherless, the incarcerated, the drug abusers, people who've had abortions, the unsaved, oh my word, people heading to eternity without God. Why do we care? We care because they are reflections of God. In this, in us, in every one of us, God placed his value. We are the work of his hand, the preciousness, our life, your life, all of life has value and is precious and is worth it for us to stand up for. Shouldn't we as believers be the champions of life, of all life? May that be. May it be so. So, what a wide topic. Certainly something that I don't feel prepared to, to cover, nor have time to cover. And we're here on Sanctity of Life Sunday, which I take to mean, and I do believe, looks at sanctity of all life, but it's also a remembrance of what happened with a decision in 1973 to say conception to birth doesn't have the same value. And that's a passion to me. And so as I've been working over the last several weeks of, of what am I going to do up here today? How's this going to go? Not my forte. Uh, thankfully, I had good counsel from Tim and, and my wife to say, Kevin, you are passionate in this area. It is something that God has placed a special passion, perhaps, different from a lot of people in, in you. Why is that? And... I'm not a really introspective person by nature. So that actually was a struggle for me. I don't know where this passion came from. I do now because I spent some time over the last several weeks kind of going down pathways in my brain and in my heart that, uh, that are not well tended. They're not well groomed. Little rabbit trails where I seldom go from my history. Um, but it's been a blessing because I think through this time, God has shown me where that comes from. And it's twofold, and, and I'd like to kind of share that with you today. More in hopes, and my prayer is, is that the Spirit will use that in your hearts. Not to share and base your passion on my passion, but to see where my passion has come from. So that, that maybe... As you're looking forward and moving forward, your passion can develop from where God has brought you. And so that your, my passion is life. Maybe someone else's passion is the poor, the needy, the homeless. Okay, where has God specially brought you in your life that he can share and develop a passion in you so that you can value life? So in 1968... On the far eastern side of Washington State, at the University of Washington, oh, excuse me, Washington State University, and you don't want to get those mixed up if you're from Washington. So Washington State University, the early fall of that year, a young girl had come to college, freshman, probably left home 18 years old, as most do, Developed a relationship with a football player. And 
as sometimes happens, that relationship turned physical. And this young girl, I'm looking for the water, this young girl became pregnant. And for some reason, not known to our family, some reason beyond what little we know about this situation anyway, for some reason, excuse me, this girl chose not to go forward with abortion. She chose life. Maybe she had been raised in, in a church family. We don't know. Maybe she had the idea that life is valuable from early on. Maybe she was afraid because abortion was illegal then, wasn't it? And the idea of having a back alley abortion sounded dangerous and scary. I don't know. Maybe it's because, as most parents realize, dads and moms, that once you find out you're pregnant, these questions go out the window, don't they? We know this is a life. We know this life is precious. We are bound to these babies from moment one. So I don't know. But you know what? On the same time, on the other side of the state, my parents were dealing with infertility and had been dealing with infertility for some time. And it was that in God's infinite mercy and wisdom, he brought in the summer of 1969 my parents together For adoption, my sister. And as often happens, I see it somewhat frequently, um, a couple adopts a baby, and then what happens? Surprise! <laughs> Here I came, right? So we're pretty close in age. Uh, in our household, we might call this a, a plot twist. Ooh, plot twist, didn't see that one coming. So um, they didn't see that one coming. Um, But what I can tell you is I cannot imagine my life without my sister. Hard for me to imagine. I I don't even know that I can. It's mind-boggling. It's out of my thought process, not just without her, but who I would be. Because my life history back then at the early age was kind of rough. And, and she was an important protective role, even as children. So, thank you, Josh. So, one of my passions, one of my passions for life, life chosen to be precious and maintain and then give for adoption. Look around us. Look around you. In this congregation, how adoption has changed lives, families, parents, siblings, don't you love to see the story of adoption in our scriptures? How God uses and brought kids through adoptive situations and used them mightily? Isn't it the picture of us 
far from God, lost, called to be precious, grafted in, adopted. We're all adopted. It's how God uses and has used many people in all of our lives. There's a a Jewish phrase that comes from their early writings that I think really, for me anyway, has kind of put this together. And the saying is, whoever saves a single life is as if you save the entire world. Because that life explodes in ways that we can't even vision. My sister's impact is explosive, wide. So a second part I think that has driven my passion and, and developed my passion is that God has made me someone who, who I, love, I love science. He's made me a, a person who likes to, to look at beginnings, investigate, and, and solve questions. You know, some are, some are given to arts and, and make wonderful beauty and, and love that. Some people work with their hands, build. God makes each of us different. And for me, it's been a love for science. It's taken me through junior high and into high school. Tim, I know your strength is the analytical chemistry sciences. That's not what I'm quite talking about. More to the biological sciences through high school. And then into the anatomical, human sciences, anatomy, physiology. Look how our bodies work. It's amazing, right? How our hearts beat, blood to our whole system. Our brains are minimally understood. I mean, we are intricately made. We are specifically, amazingly made. What a joy, what an excitement it is to study this, to look at it. Embryology, development of life, from the time of two separateness coming together to make a baby, completely individual from the time of conception, What about genetics? Genes mixing together to make us who we are. Individual. Completely different from anybody who's ever been, anybody who ever will be. What a beautiful thing to look at. What a beautiful thing. It's hard for me to imagine that scientists in their their exploration of this can see anything but God when we study these the intricacies. I mean, I love what we read this morning. I'm going to reread part of that. Psalm 139. For you formed my inward parts, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secretly, or in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, 
when as of yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. So not are we just intricate, amazing works. Not did God just make Adam with his hands. God made all of us. He knit us together. He was intimately involved from conception forward with every part of our creation. He continues to be. He sustains us. Don't you love that word picture, knitting? I mean, that's not distant. It would be amazing if it said God was speaking it, wouldn't it? But God knitting us, God forming us, God breathing through Adam into our nostrils the breath of life. The joy of this argument that we're here looking at today, at this, what we're looking at and standing for today, is that we have won the argument. We've won the argument of life. We know when life begins. Not just we, the other side. We know that life, that there is something different Something not mom, not dad, in this new baby. They may call it something else, but we have won that. Thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. Science has brought us to the point where we know that there is a separate baby, a separate life here. Let us plant our flag on that information and not be moved from that. Because there's a second part coming. There's a second part that's already here, or you know what? It's already passed. Because the second part, and it might be harder, and I think it is, and we need to be ready for it and be secure in what we're thinking. Because the harder part is coming, and it is here. It's already being spoken in Little Rock, in Arkansas, around this nation, especially on the other side and the higher levels. It's not so much when is there a life, when is there a newness there. It's now when is there a meaningful life. When's personhood, quality of life, valuable life. Oh, brothers, I mean, sisters, that is the tough one. Because someone is making decisions. Someone is counseling direction now. Because it's not so much, well... Yeah, there's a there's a early separate embryo there, but is it worth? Is it worth it? Is it worth destroying this young girl's life? Is fourteen, fifteen, seventeen, twenty-five, whatever it is, whatever the argument is, it worth destroying her life? Destroying her relationship, her marriage, her future. Because of this little, you know, very early developing newness. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Why is that? Because God knit this baby together. In that baby, from conception, is the face of God is the reflection of God. 
It's hard. It's coming. It's here. It's hard. Because it sounds tough. You're going to weigh this little early, early life against the potential of destroying these things. What about, what about babies with, with birth defects? The time is now where people are making decisions. Is it worth the cost? Are we going to spend millions of dollars on a baby? One? Maybe it's not worth it. Cognitive, mental questions are there. Those questions are being painfully talked about already. It's tough. And the future is going, and we hear it already. What about the poor? Is that a, is that a life worth living to let these babies deliver to the poor, the handicapped, the mentally challenged? Wouldn't it be better for even better for that little life never to be subjected to all the pain, the hardship, the struggle, the horrible situation that this family might bring. Wouldn't it be better just to not go there? No. Let us say no. Plant our flag on the, the fact that this is life from conception. Plant our flag on the Cement that flag on the idea that these lives are valuable from moment one, a reflection of God and his glory. When we see them, we are seeing a reflection of God. His spirit is there. His, our souls are there. He has placed us there. He is knitting us together from the earliest parts of this. And that's... That's what I want to do today is allow us to be comfortable with the fact of knowing when life starts and knowing that God has placed his value on life from conception. What a wonderful time of year this is, right? We just finished through Christmas. One of the parts of the Christmas story that I love the most, certainly, oh my word, Christ coming. Why? Because we're so precious. He's coming to earth to save us because someone has to pay the price. So God, who back here formed Adam with his hands and blew the breath of life into his nose, now comes and says, I'm going to give up my life because they are so precious. I'm going to give myself for them. The part that I find helpful for me in the, the life issue is how he came. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will what? You will conceive in your womb and bear a son. God 
God, Jesus, from conception. Right? God sanctified the beginnings of life by saying, from conception you will conceive and it will be Jesus. And it is. So let us be so strong, so planted on those two things and let that move forward into how we, how we interact with life. And that's, you know, that's what I'd love to see. That's what I would love to call y'all to. It doesn't look like me. But we work from that. We work from life is precious. Life has value. Where does that take me? Like, this is a wonderful Sunday. What a neat time that a president would set aside a day for us to celebrate life, to see the value of life, the holiness of life, and gather together. And maybe this is a time to, to do that, to think those thoughts. What does that look like for you? What does it look like for me? I'm not doing it well. My focus, my, my passion is for the unborn. We plant there, and then we move forward. Some it might be ministries to the poor, to the sick, to the lost, our missionaries. Look what we have available. What a blessing to be in a church that has ministries to the poor. We can go and serve. If that's your passion, you can go serve and deliver food to the poor. We can work with the fatherless at the step ministries or the near fatherless and make an impact and a change because that's your passion. We have international fellowship outreach. We can minister. We can walk along internationals, the foreigners around us. We can work. We have inroads. We have people who are counseling women after abortion. We can work at the, the Crisis Pregnancy Center. Our missionaries, they are on the front lines of, of valuing life so much that we're speaking the word of truth and light. Come, oh Lord, please come. Save these who are far from you. Please. So, Take this time. Take this day. Let my imperfectness not be in the way to investigate. Where has God given you passion for life? And what does that look like? How does that direct you? And may that be, may that be something that the Spirit moves and that you respond. There's a, a movie in our house that we excuse me, that we enjoy. And, and, and I really, what a, it's, what a great story, what a great movie. Uh, and one of the things I, I really actually enjoy about it is that this man, Victor Hugo, who wrote Les Mis, as far as we know from his biography, was, was probably pretty far from God. But through common grace, a non-believer pictures a lot of biblical ideas 
forgiveness, hard-heartedness, anger, strife, jealousness, resolution, mercy, value for the poor, value for those in prostitution, value for a child who is mother and fatherless. So at the end of this work, a, at the end of the, the chief character's life, literally on his deathbed, his last words, the last words in this story before the chorus comes on is, is where I want to leave us today. And it's this quote, and it's beautiful. To love another person is to see the face of God. To love another person is to see the face of God. And it is. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them and say, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Amen. Let's uh, like to close in prayer. If you would bow with me. We'll do that. Lord, move in our hearts this morning, Lord, that we might be champions for life. Lord, that you would give us a passion that shows Jesus and reflects him to all those we come in in contact with and that we encounter. Lord, that you might be glorified, that you might be lifted up. And I pray this through the name of Jesus, who gave his life because of his passion for us. Amen.